Justice is something that we're working out in, in every avenue of our lives. The, 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 the topic for today is, if you want to put like a, a heading above it, you'd probably think it's justice or it's injustice or it's justice being worked out. And the, this sort of subject is something that we're working out in every avenue of our lives. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've got tots or if you've been around tots. Kids have got a very strong sense of what justice is. Do you know what I mean? If you, if you nick their toy, you just like grab it off them. That's not, that's not okay to do that. They don't just go, oh, that's great. I think things will work out okay in the end. They go, that's my toy. They grab it back off you. Yeah, that's what you do. And it can be quite interesting when I, when you, when we, when I observe at, on Tuesday morning, we have mums and tots, or we, we used to have mums and tots, and, and I, will, I sort of lean up against the bar as Craig or Chris is doing at the back, and I observe justice being played out before my eyes. And it's a very interesting, it can be a very interesting development. You've got one kid who sat there, and, and, and he's got the toy, and it's maybe the coolest toy. And he's maybe thought to himself, I've got here early because I want to cherish this toy. And, 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 and he's got this, you know, he, he sort of thought about it. He's right, I've got this toy. And then there's another kid watching. He's got there late. It's not his fault. It's unjust. It's his mum's fault. But he wants the toy. So it's brilliant what you do when you're a kid. You just go up and grab the toy. You just walk up like this and just grab the toy. And you go, it's my toy. And then, then you've, got a, you've got a dilemma working out. You've got justice working out in front of you. And I'm thinking, this is interesting because I wonder where this is going to go. And the parent, you can see two parents sort of looking in going, let's just see, and they both sort of edge of the seat stuff, sort of working out what's going to happen. And then there's a full-on brawl, and it's a beautiful thing just to watch when it's not your kids, it's a full-on brawl. Everyone's like firing in, you just, I just get more reclined on the bar, let's just see what happens here. The parents come in and, and sort of edge of the seat to deal with it. While the brawl's happening, the bigger kid comes in, and then you can see Justice playing out, and he thinks, he's had a think, he thought to himself, he said, well, I'm, you know, I want to play with that toy, and I'm a bigger kid. And he just wanders up and grabs the toy. And then he wanders over with it and takes it over to his own chair. And then the two parents who were thinking how much they hate the other kid all of a sudden think, I need an ally because our, our, kids, you know, our kids have been dealt with, dealt with unjustly here. So that one of the parents will walk over and say, Do you, I, just, I just need to say something. Our children were playing very nicely with that toy earlier on. And, and can we just get it back? And you can sort of see justice playing out. And this is just like a little bit of a glimpse of, you think, oh, this is just kids, but... This is kind of a glimpse of what the world is like. This happens on a far grander scale. We have two smaller, maybe a word insignificant sort of country, not insignificant, lesser, you know, lesser well-known, less powerful countries, and they're arguing about a plot of land, and they're like fighting out, no, this is my right, I, we've got the right to be here. And then two bigger countries come in and say, well, actually, the way forward is democracy, or the way forward is war, or the way forward is this, or the way forward is that. And this idea of... What justice is, is just working its way out in every avenue of our lives. You'll drive home tonight, somebody will cut you up, and you'll be working out what is just, because he's legitimately in a rush to get home for his wife who's cross with him. But he's just cut you up, and he's just put you in a bad mood for the rest of the day. Where is the justice? And our lives, a lot of the time, is working out what justice is. Another thing that justice is, something that we feel good about. Isn't it when you see justice done? Don't you have that like, like when you see it on the TV, something, something that's been uncovered for ages and all of a sudden justice is done, you go, oh, that, it's like the equilibrium of the world that is sort of set in line again and you go, yeah, this is good. Something about justice that is just good. And the other thing about justice is that it's really something we feel like we ought to be able to achieve as a species. Do you know what I mean? Human beings feel like we, re we really ought to have got this 
nailed down by now. Like in our chat, we'll say things like, this, this just shouldn't be happening in 2018. Do you know, we use that expression, don't we? It's like, we've been here this long, we really should be able to deal with injustice. And yet the reality is, we don't, we don't bottom it. We progress, we've got history to look back on, we've got all forms of new tech to make the world really small, we've got all this sort of going for us, we've got this desire to rein justice in, and yet we don't bottom it, injustice. It's part of our lives. And part of, part of living and part of, part of um, sort of growing up and getting older is working out how on earth you deal with the fact that there is injustice in the world. You maybe have this meltdown moment when you're, I don't know, when you go away to university and you realize that the ideals that you've had of youth, that everything's going to be fixed, don't quite bottom out like that. Injustice pervades. And it's how we kind of live with it. Where does it leave us? as human beings. There's a couple of places that it leaves us in. I think a lot of the time, most of us react by saying, whatever. You kind of go, pfft, whatever. Do you know what I mean? I, if there's, there's, there's good out there, there's bad out there, there's right out there, there's wrong out there. I can't influence it. I'm just going to crack on. And this sort of leads you down. And I think, as, as I'm saying, I'm going to go through this list, I'm realizing that there's a spectrum that we kind of drift along. As you, as you go down there, you kind of drift towards cynicism. And you maybe get towards a point where you go, do you know what, I don't, I see that there's good, and I see that there's bad, and I see that it happens. And you maybe get to a point where you say, I'm just, I'm happy to abuse this system. You kind of give up on the, the ideals of youth, sort of pan away, and you go, right, I could make a book here. I'm going to join in with the guy who's living an unjust life. You maybe get to that point. Or you maybe reach another point where you go, this breaks my heart. I want to do something, I want to do something about this. I want to influence this. I want to change this. I want to do something dramatic to help justice out. It has a massive impact, though, on how you deal with God. How you see justice just has a massive impact. If you're, if you're an atheist, or if you're somebody who comes from a, a position that's just like not sure about God, or is just, yeah, I don't know about that, it can really underline your belief system. If God is good and is all-powerful, then justice can't exist, right? Can't, can't be a God. And it can kind of underline your, your belief system. If you're a Christian, and I want to challenge you with this, at any point in your life, if you're a Christian, seeing injustice in your own life up close, or even if you're just watching the news at 10, this can really rock our faith. And in church today, you kind of look at me and go, I'm good, I'm solid, Ash. You know, my faith is together, I, I'm, I'm nailing this down. But in our, in our weaker moments, in our moments on our own, we are vulnerable, I think, in our faith to the world of injustice. And a lot of our lives as Christians is working out how we deal with the fact that really cutting-edge, gruesome, horrible, bad stuff is a reality for us in the world. How do we... How do we maintain a relationship? How do we have a working relationship? How do we believe in God in and amongst all of that? I don't know if anybody's, I don't want to do a hands up, but there's a, there's, a, there's a book and a film called The Shack. Has anybody read? So don't do the hands up. There's some people who will have read this book called The Shack. I'd, I'd, give, it, I'd give it right now a cautious, a cautious recommendation. Um, it's well thumbed by me. It's, it looks, kind of looks worn out to me. I'll give you the plot, and don't, don't look at me and say, I might want to go and see the film, or I might read the book. 
you've had, you've had your chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read out kind of basically what the plot is. There's a guy in it called Mac. He's the center of the show. And this guy, you, you sort of, it's one of those books really well written. You read the start of it, and you're just drawn to this guy, this guy called Mac. Or it gives him a likable name, this guy called Mac. You're like, yeah, I like you. And then you find out halfway through that he's, well, not halfway through, a couple of chapters in that he's had tragedy in his life. Here's the tragedy. He went away camping with his kids and his mate, and they go somewhere beautiful in America, somewhere the Rockies or somewhere like that, and they pitch up their tents, and one afternoon, they all, in like a enthusiastic excitement, they say, we're going to go in, and we're going to go canoeing, so everybody bundles off, but the littlest girl, she's nine, something like that, she says, I don't want to go camp, I don't want to go canoeing, it's not for me, everybody goes in the lake, and the girl is left, and then the girl is taken. That's the storyline, the girl is taken, and we've got We've got younger ones in here, but this girl is taken, and she's not seen again by her father or her family, and she's probably abused, and she's definitely killed, and the story is of the heartbreak of Mac at the injustice of what's happened. And you, you read on in the book, and via a dream... And via other awakenings, this guy realizes that what happened to this girl happened in the shack. And he goes back. And as you're reading through, as you're reading through the book, and as I'm reading through the book, I'm like, I want you to find this. I'm thinking injustice. I'm thinking, and this is why I read on. I think I can get a few chapters into books and you can ditch it, can't you? I think I read on because I'm like, I want you to find this guy and I want you to bury this guy. But that is not the story with the shack. The story with the shack, and I think this is the reason why it, becomes, why it became a bestseller. The story with the shack is, is because it's about a guy who's had this terrible injustice, but who doesn't get to see justice in his time. Instead, he gets to meet with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you read the book, he gets to re- meet with God. How do we believe and function with, with God in a world where injustices like that and I guess that is at the extreme end. But you'll have your own story of injustice that you've had to face. How do we maintain relationship with God in a world that is that unjust? Israel, we've got to the psalm. Israel, at different points of his life. So when you read Psalm 75, we don't know exactly um, the context. For a lot of the psalms, it's a bit of a pain, actually, when you come to preach on them. You want to say, just tell me when, tell me the story behind this. I need a story, Paul, behind the, behind the psalms. And it gives you a couple of ideas of, of what's going on. Whatever it is, they're under oppression. So you think, what happened with God's people? Um, empires came in and either beat them up and took over their land, or stories like Daniel dragged them off to Babylon and then ruled over them. This is the kind of, this is the kind of context for this sort of psalm. There are people who have been beaten up. You, you can think of nations around the world, maybe news headlines that you've seen, where one bunch of people are, are oppressed by another bunch of people. That is the background to this story. Israel is oppressed. And yet, and they use lines like, uh, verse 4, it'd be great if the text was up just for a sec. They use lines like, the arrogant and the wicked. This is the idea of these people just lording it over them. They're just kind of getting and abused. It, the, the idea of injustice is that there's a pe- bunch of people in power, and they are lording it over the people who are less fortunate than them. And yet, in this moment, they, they sing this song of praise. In, amongst the injustice, and it's there in the lines of it. You can see through it there. They're an oppressed people. And yet this, the title above this is, this is a song of praise. This is a song where we've got joy in our hearts. Now, 
Asaph, who wrote this, has got other songs. He's got songs that don't end happy, and he's got songs that, 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 are, that end in other, in other ways, but this song is a song of joy. Now, I want us to try and get under the skin of, why is, why is this a song of joy? They sing, as for me, I will declare this forever. I will sing praise to the God of Jacob, who says, I will cut off the horns of all the wicked, but the horns of the righteous will be lifted up. They say things like, God is near. We can see his holy works. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm at the end of injustice, like these people were, that my head's not there. Do you know what I mean? My head is not in a joyful song about a God being near who's going to deal with it all in his own time. That's not where my, that's not where my song is. My song is when I'm the victim of injustice, somebody, somebody beats up on me, somebody's bullying me, my song is like a violent, I want this, and I'm quite a relaxed, hopefully most of the time, person. You know, when I'm playing footy, some of the guys will tell you, I'm, I'm murder. You know, if there's an injustice, I'm like, what's happening? And I want, I want it dealt with right now. We have, um, we have a song that we sing at Ellen Road. I'm a Legion United fan. And we have a song that we sing about, about injustice. When we see something unjust happening, and it's sort of reflective of the fact that we want immediate justice. The song is called, and if you've been to Ellen Road, you'll be familiar with it, you're going home in a Yorkshire ambulance. That is what, that is, that is what we sing. And, it, we, we, and we sing that with, like, so there's a foul on the pitch. The ref misses it. And we sing a song that says, we either want one of our own guys to break your legs, or if that doesn't happen, afterwards, get to the bus quickly because we're going to come and deal with you on, on the bus. And we sing, you're going home in a Yorkshire ambulance. We want justice now, don't we? That's our sense of justice. It comes from somewhere in our gut, deep within. It's like, this is wrong. I am wronged here. And it's sort of led by our worldview and our immediate perspective. And we say, I want justice now. When the, when the union reps... Uh, upset, they don't, they don't tell you to go and stand if you, if you, if, with this pay equality or something like that, and you're part of a union. They don't say, go and stand outside and make a protest and just, or just, just sing a happy song. They say, write a banner that says, what do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. You, when there is injustice in the world, our song and our hearts are, I want this dealt with, and I want this dealt with Immediately. So how do we get to a point in our lives and in our worlds where we can cope with the reality of the injustice that's there? Because we haven't bottomed it. How do we, how do we deal with, with this fact? Because tomorrow or the next day or the next day, you're going to see something on the TV that breaks your heart. Or somebody who's close to you is going to be ill or something like this is going to happen. And we're going to be visited with injustice. How do we have a joyful song about God? How do I, how do I explain this psalm to you? How do I get you to sing it? Well, there's a, there's a story in the New Testament. We're going to read it together in a second. It's in, it's in John chapter 8. And I'm, I'm sure that this story is in there to stop old cynics like me and you from just drifting off into this ever more cynical spiral of, I don't care whether good things happen or bad things happen. I'm sure that this story is there. I'm sure that we need a story to explain to us how we can understand the justice of God. And what I'm going to do is just, I'm going to explain, I'm going to read this story out, and then I'm going to pull three things, three reasons why we can have hope in an unjust world. Here's the story. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. It's in John 8. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. 
The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the oldest ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. I am, I am convicted and convinced that God, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this story is in the Bible. It made it into the canon to stop, to stop all cynics like me and to, just to really pan out and to make really clear what God's justice looks like and to give us a reason, to give us all cynics a reason to sing about the justice of God, even through the the toughest sort of injustice that we're finding. Now, let's just unpack the story a second. Let's just, let's just see it. Let's see the story. Here's a woman, and the Bible's really clear on this. She's, she's caught in the act of adultery. That's what it says. So, so this is like a, this is like a, this is emotive, and this is dramatic, and this is, and this is tough. So you've got this image of these, these religious leaders seeing the woman, grabbing her, pulling her out of the bed, pulling her out of wherever she was, and dragging her into this place. And they've dragged her out of the city. That's at least how I see it. They're up on the Mount of Olives, and they've dragged her there. And you've got guys, maybe women as well, who are picking up stones to impact justice on this woman. This is a, this is a horrific sort of scene. And you can see justice playing out in front of your eyes. And Jesus, we read, and I love this, he sat there drawing in the sand almost passive. And what you've got to acknowledge is that this woman could, you know, this could be the end for her. These guys have got stones. This could, be, this could be death. This could be where she ends up. Jesus says to this crowd, and this is brilliant and it's beautiful, but it's more than just wisdom to, to quash a riot. It's a glimpse of the justice of God. He says, let him and this is, the, this is the verse that gives us understanding about judgment. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. So Jesus does, in this little story, let's, let's look at three things uh, that Jesus does that, that changes how we view justice. The first, the first thing that we see is that his justice covers all and not some. That's what happens in this story. Notice the way that the trial shifts from one woman. That's where the focus is at. Everyone's like this, you know, there's people wandering up who's, who've come there that day thinking, I'm just, I'm just along with this crowd and I've seen this, what's happening, and I'm just going to watch how this story of justice pans out for this, for this one woman. Notice how what Jesus says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. All of a sudden, this scene of justice or injustice, this process of justice, is swapped from being about one woman to been about everybody who's there. There's some guy 
stood at the back of that crowd who's rocked up just ready to watch whatever it was for some entertainment or whatever it was, who's maybe got a stone in his hand or he's looking at again a stone in his hand, and all of a sudden he finds himself part of this story. What Jesus' justice does is that it covers everyone. And we kind of we see these scenes played out all the time. This is what justice looks like on earth. Not for everyone. Justice looks like on earth one person getting held up. Justice looks like on earth with our best efforts and with our best minds and hoping to do the, the most that we can. But with the shortcomings that come with being a human being, we, we, we manage to bring to justice the odd people along the way. And that's what's happening in this story. And Jesus shifts it from that and he judges everyone. Now we've got to remember at this point that Jesus is God and in a sense he can't do anything else. It's agony, isn't it? Living in a world where injustice is not known. When you hear a story of a I think there was, a, there was a girl in London, I think it was in London, and there's been a few in Europe where somebody's been a, a slave in somebody's house for like 16 years. And when you read about that, the, the, the agony of not, of her, for her, not knowing that this is going on in the world, the agony of unknown injustice, this is what gets us, isn't it? When we hear about the fact that within the Catholic Church and within other areas of the church as well, I guess there's like been horrific sin that's been kept undercover and we kind of feel like that's just it's kind of it hurts doesn't it maybe if you're if you're getting if you're getting bullied at work like the injustice of that but you can't you can't out the bully because the bully is superior to you or or he's just the kind of character that you're just not going to confront the, the the dealing with that injustice the fact that you kind of got to carry that on your own and you can't out it it almost brings relief, you know, doesn't it? When, when, there's a, when there's a new story and justice occurs, there's almost this big, oh, it's out. The process of justice can happen. But when justice is hidden, injustice is hidden, it's, it's agony, isn't it? And yet God's people find it in their hearts to sing, we praise you, God. We will praise you for your name is near. These people are living with injustice, yet they sing of a God with joy in their hearts. Why can they sing of a God like this? Because they know that God is not like this. God sees everything. This is the first thing that we see in this passage. God sees everything. When he judges, he judges everybody. The guy at the back of the crowd, the guy who thought he was just along for the ride, he sees everything. In a, let me just encourage you from the Bible. Whatever injustice is bumping you right now, whatever the thing is that nobody else sees or nobody else knows about, the thing where you go, but if you knew this, have you seen this, God, that thing? God says, I've seen it, and I will deal with it in eternity. This is the first reason that we've got a song of joy in our hearts because we don't have that agony with God. God sees everything. Second thing that we've got to feel joyful about is that God is, Jesus in this story is impartial. 
notice in the story just how charged and emotive it is. Can you imagine the scene with the woman who's committed adultery being brought down and all this, this gang of religious leaders like, let's just deal with this right now. That is, that is, just, that is just supercharged. How do you think you'd get on in that moment if you were there to bring justice? I've tried to place myself in this story. I think I'm there as a coward who starts to pick up a stone. Humans historically don't always do so well in moments of where justice is needed. I don't know if you've seen the clips of the murder of, I say the, the murder, we, it's probably the story of the bringing to justice of Gaddafi. Have you, have you seen these clips or some of these leaders in the Middle East when they come to what we might term justice, you find these brutal clips on the internet of beheadings and chasing people down alleyways and shooting them and things like that. We don't do well in the emotive moments. We are vulnerable as human beings. Our radars are a bit skewed, I think, sometimes. Think about how you get on with your sense of justice when you are a bit tired or you're a bit you're a bit hungry, or your blood sugar levels are low, or things like that. Um, some of my kids are in here, but they'll, they'll be able to look at me and say that my justice is inconsistent at times. Do you know what I mean? If, if I'm tired, or if I want to watch something on the telly, then justice can change really quickly, and I can shoot down a different avenue. I can say, get to bed right now, or I can say, oh, you can stay up for a bit longer. Justice can be all over the place, and that is how it is in this world, and it's agony for us as human beings to cope with the fact that justice radars are so different all over the world. You look around and there's one sense of justice here and it's one other sense of justice here. And some people get caught and other don't, people don't get caught. And coping with this as a human being is difficult. But God, this is the reason we can sing for joy. This is the reason that we can sing some of the words in this psalm. is because God doesn't look at the world in that way. He sees, he sees the woman caught in adultery and he stays sat down on the ground quite passive. He sees, he sees the guys ready with their stones, and he loves them both the same. And he judges by the same yardstick for both. He says, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And I sing for joy about that because I, I am thankful that when God looks down on me from heaven, he doesn't look at me and go, oh, there's the Englishman. They were an arrogant bunch, weren't they? For a couple of hundred years, oh, weren't they a pain? He doesn't put me in that bracket. He doesn't look at me as a child of the 90s who grew up in a sort of a Britpop era full of lads mags with low opinions of women and all the nonsense that I got into in those times. He doesn't put me in that category. Neither does he look at me and say, oh, this guy's a third generation Christian. This guy's a pastor let's accept him for those things he looks at me and he sees a loved child of God and he judges me by the same yardstick that he judges everybody else by it's completely impartial and I say praise God because I'm thankful for that God is a God who will judge all and we should be thankful God is a judge who will judge you and he will judge you impartially here's the last thing I want to point out from the story in John chapter 8. It's justice that stirs us to make a difference. This is the last thing I want us to, be, to think about and be joyful about. Notice people 
people in the story after Jesus gets involved go from looking for a scapegoat to having this awkward moment of self-reflection. That's what happens in the story. Everybody rocks up and it's like, we're here to see what Jesus does with the woman who's messed up big time. That's what they're here to see. And everybody leaves that day, everybody leaves that day having to have a look. Because Jesus says, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. Everybody that's there needs to do that 180 degree and start looking at themselves. That's what the justice of God is life. Often, often with justice, when we see it panned out, the reaction of humanity is to look at it and go, well, I'm better than that. Do you know what I mean? You look down, you see the bad people, and you go, that's good, I'm up here, and they're down there. That's not, that's not where God's justice leaves us. God's justice doesn't just let us go, doesn't let us go, there's the bad people. It makes us go, let me see me. Let me have a look at me. In life, when we live it, I, I think lots of us in this room, I think I might be able to speak for all of us, say we don't see ourselves as the cause of injustice, do we? We don't, we don't look and go, that's, that's me. Let's just, let's just grab the world just for a second, just to be awkward, just to be a pain in the neck pastor for a minute, and let's just try and see the world from God's perspective. God created the world perfect. You might use the word righteous. You might use the word just. He made it perfect. And he said to, to everybody, he said, love one another. He said, love your neighbor as yourselves. Take care of one another. There's this sense of perfection in God's creation. And the world that we live in today, half of it goes hungry. Half of it is stricken with poverty. Loads of people are oppressed. Our neighborhoods today, down the streets from us today, people go hungry. People are oppressed. People are in real areas of difficulty. I, um, just a couple of moments from the last 48 hours of my life in ways I have completely ignored my role in God's big picture. I bought a t-shirt from a high street that if you Google them, you'll realize that there's little kids in India making that t-shirt. And I thought nothing about it. I went to the rugby to watch Cass and I had two full portions of chips and threw half of one away. And I only thought about it when I had to do the sermon. I thought, what kind of, with no thought that that was just an abuse of the money that I've got in my back pocket. I went to the Leeds game, and I was in Leeds, and I walked past a couple of homeless people without really giving them a second thought. I got annoyed this morning at all the cancer charity bags that were at the bottom of the stairs. That was my reaction to somebody trying to do a good thing and raise some money for cancer. I looked at him and thought, who's these people putting these plastic bags in my door? Will they stop doing that? That's just off the top of my head ways that I have completely forgotten the way that the world looks from God's perspective. This is what God's justice does. It stops you looking out that way, and it's the only kind of justice that does this. And it means you've got to wrestle with here, and it stirs our souls. Everybody that was, that was there that day went away thinking, right, not that woman's condemned, but what does this mean for me? How do you have a joyful song in a world where Justice, injustice, 
rains, when something terrible is going to happen next week? How do, you have, how do you have a song in your heart? Because God sees everything. That's, that's got to that's be enough reason to get you to sleep tonight. That's got to be enough reason to get, to get you to praise God. That's got to be halfway, even if you hate singing, that's got to be halfway towards singing a song. Because in a world that always thinks the problems are elsewhere, God says, they start with you. Because in a world where we have to struggle with the fact that people are going to get away with it, we can be certain that God is going to act. Our band's going to come up, and they're going to give us our final song. Thank you.